0: we can, if we can try to find a way to stay flexible, it doesn't mean it's not going to be stressful. It doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. It doesn't mean it's not going to be challenging. Emotional sobriety doesn't mean easy. Mm-hmm. You know, please don't hear that any of this stuff mm-hmm. is easy. It's not. But there is a path through this where at the end of that day, I could look back and feel good about Alan.
1: Bill Wilson, Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety.
2: Welcome to Emotional Sobriety, the podcast, the, the next step in recovery. And I'm Tom Rutledge. I'm here with uh, uh, our wonderful producer, Patrick Newman, and Dr. Allen Berger. How are you guys doing? Well, I'm going to let
0: Patrick start this time, since I kind of cut you off on our last show, Patrick. Go
2: ahead. Uh,
1: <laughs> no worries. It's your show. I'm um, um, doing well, and it's it's so great to be here with you guys. Um, I went to see some stand-up comedy, uh, Jim Jeffries, at the Agua Caliente Casino uh, near where I live in uh, Joshua Tree, and it was pretty funny because everybody around me and my friend was like obscenely drunk or on something and uh it was like uh, being in a zoo and I got to kind of like it was the ghost of Christmas past because I was like oh that would have definitely been me about five years ago and uh it's not too fun to hang out with those people so I was like well you know got a great time though I, I kind of I wish I could bring them uh you know water and like a A cool cloth to pat Mm -hmm. their brow with, but you know, it didn't seem like they're so
2: loud, right? People (laughs) who drink are so
1: loud. Yeah, they have no idea, no (laughs) volume control. Um, But uh, you know, it's Labor Day, and I thought that uh, as a way of observing kind of um, how emotional sobriety can help us in the workplace and uh, keeping a strong emotional center of gravity, um, it's good for all contexts, um, not just interpersonal or, you know, relational, you don't just come home and do it. You go to work and do it too. And as it happens, um, my girlfriend just got fired. She's about to move in with me. Um, uh, by the end of the year, uh, we are kind of, you know, evolving in our relationship, becoming more financially intertwined. And, um, I see this stress as an opportunity to, um, yeah, work on my emotional sobriety and and she, in her way, she can work on hers. And uh, I feel like um, you guys probably are a wealth of uh, resources when it comes to financial stress, uh, asshole bosses, um, (laughs) all manner of, all manner of, uh, you know, the constellation of uh, difficulties that the workplace presents um, that uh, emotional sobriety can provide a sort of antidote to. I just thought I would run that by you guys.
0: Well, you know, it's really interesting that this show comes on the heels of of the last week's show about Tom sharing from his book, you know, because this is all about relationships, right? We're back to now. How do you apply these ideas? Yeah, it's about application. That's it. Exactly. Yeah, Application of emotional sobriety and the concepts that we've been talking about to our work relationships and to our Mm -hmm. experiences at work. So, yeah, I think it's a really great topic, Patrick, because look, Ooh. the truth is most of us that are employed full-time spend more time at work than we spend in any other, mm-hmm. uh, you know, endeavor or activity in our life. Unfortunately. Right. Right. And man, it's full of, it's full
2: of uh, challenges. That is, that is for sure. It's, it's, uh, and, and, and I, and the contrast, what you're saying too, Alan about work, work and home is like, because the, the, you know, there's the criteria for, you know, our decision making is, is, is vastly different, you know, in workplace and at home. It's, it's like, you know, it's because we, we do, in fact, remain in relationships with people. We would not have a, a continue a personal relationship at all with if, yeah. if, if, if that's what that was about. But there are there are there are perfectly good reasons that we we basically have to manage ourselves and learn ways to to uh, health in a healthy way cope with with uh, some behaviors behaviors that that we would not necessarily cope with or not deal with in in a in a personal relationship.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Because it's a matter of life and death in a sense, because, uh, you know, our finances are sometimes like uh, they're the bedrock of, you know, how do we how do we make rent? How do we turn the electricity on? And uh so it's a, it's the kind of relationship that in a way there's like a, there's a more violent into, intimacy to it because uh if you know, that relationship must survive and by, by relationship I mean relationship with your employer um yeah. for uh the rest of the project to continue in some ways.
2: yeah, yeah, and there there are certain there's definitely many uh, incidents I've, that I've been in when, when back in the day when when I was working for other, other people, I certainly experienced some of this. Uh, and and I work with clients who who face these sometimes that are really bottom line, really difficult things where where their their value system is is being you know challenged so much that there there really is a I mean these are heavy duty things where it's like you go like I you know even though. You know, I have this financial need and this financial even dependency to this job. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm having a really hard time continuing to be here, and I'm going to have to find another way out. But, but I, I say that only to set set the, the stage for for most of the stuff that we would talk about in terms of dealing with the stuff in the workplace is not there. It's like it's it's small. It's, it's not smaller, like lesser, but but I mean lesser in some ways is that they're not they're not make it or break it kinds of things they're just how do i how do i make well to use a a term that alan uses in his work a lot of times is how do i how do i maintain these relationships in in my workplace and hold on to myself and not lose lose myself in them either through codependency giving my all my power away or just being caught up you know just lost in resentment in my own thinking
1: there's uh, there's the external issue, right? And then uh, there's uh, how, as as Alan says, how do we marshal our inner resources to yeah. um, to cope with what is and right. uh, to be in alignment with reality? And I think that um, easier said than done, but that is the uh, that is the path forward. You know, uh, no, no matter what you you happen to be dealing with at work.
0: Let's look at some of the basic principles that we've been talking about. One thing you brought up last week. Patrick, was this idea of an emotional center of gravity. Mm-hmm. Boy, it's so easy to put your emotional center of gravity in money, isn't it? And then when our, yeah. when our job is, you know, when we lose a job, you know, we become quite threatened. You know, how am I going to make things work out? We get insecure because we, you know, we, we get used to a certain amount of money coming in every month or every week or every other week. And that we, you know, base our whole life on that kind of flow. And now here we are forced to, you know, na- you know, respond to a situation that is outside of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, it was funny. We were talking last time. There's a concept in Gestalt therapy called fixed Gestalts. It sounds like a big fancy thing, but mm-hmm. what it means is, is that, we get fixed on certain ideas in that I have to have things this way to be okay.
2: It's now, the expectations that you talk about in, in emotional sobriety, the, the the unrealistic expectation. I have to, and I'm thinking with the, with people in our workplaces, I have to have this
0: person be this way in order for me to be okay. I have to have this person treat me this way, or I have to have this job. I have to have this income. Mm-hmm. You know, see, and, and one of the things that, that we don't live, I think, conscious of enough is there's nothing permanent but change. Mm -hmm. I mean, change is going to (laughs) happen. There's no way around it. And while you might think you have a certain amount of security in a job, my God, if anything that COVID taught us, that can get thrown up in the air very quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, ask flight attendants, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they they were going to work every week. And then all of a sudden, the airlines have to cancel what thousands and thousands of flights, you Mm -hmm. know, pilots are not working. And now it starts to ramp up again in their short flight attendance because people had to find other jobs or restaurants, right? Mm -hmm. You know, restaurants, they were thriving. a lot of restaurants, right. Doing great business. Then all of a sudden, you know, if, if they don't have a good to go menu, they're stuck, man, they're Mm -hmm. stuck. Now the ones that survived were able to right, pivot on that Mm -hmm. and now go to a different thing, but they lost a lot of help in those restaurants. And some Mm -hmm. restaurants out here in Pennsylvania, they're only able to be open three or four days a week because they can't get the help to staff the restaurant for seven days Mm -hmm. a week. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, is that one thing we can count on is things will change. Right. If there's one,
1: yeah. If there's one common principle in COVID, yeah. During COVID, the pandemic. Yeah. I was just going to say, and all the people you were working with, I'm sure during that period and since it's... um, Adjusting to the rapid change, you know things. Uh, you know, uh, it's like a, there's a river that is just spiriting us all away. And uh, I'm sure that in every sit down you guys had with a client, it was all about like helping them to restore restore equilibrium with that mm-hmm. rapid change that was being asked of them.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I, I wrote about in and in, in I liked the discussion you had last time, Tom, about looking back at writings you had and say, "Wow, yeah. that's interesting." Now, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I like how I said that. I like how I talked about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, thank God we have that. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we were channeling something like yeah, these, yeah, I was smart. I was smarter than I, I think I well, was. Smarter was than... We were channeling that's yeah. much better than us. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. really believe, that. I believe it. Yeah. In my work, just like I think Bill Wilson was divinely inspired. Uh, you know, I write this stuff, but I think I'm channeling a lot of this stuff from a mm-hmm. lot of different sources. Just mm-hmm. like I think you are, mm-hmm. you know, from teachers you've had before, from ex- from your past lives. You know, you might have been Sigmund Freud at one point in the <laughs> past. Who knows, Tom? I, mean, I can't see it. I can't you, you see it. You do like <laughs> a cigar. You would have been more like Adler or Rainier. I don't I mean, know, Powell though. When, when, when you figure in the cocaine use, maybe. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> that my, but, but look, my, my point is this, is that, you know, I have one chapter about 12 essential insights into emotional sobriety. Mm. One was about finding novel solutions to the challenges that you face in your life. Yes. And see, that's the thing that I think is a big lie, that I need things to be a certain way for me to be okay. I need it to continue to be unchanged, right? I don't want my relationship to change. I always want those feelings I had early on with my partner, right? That Mm -hmm. mad, passionate love I had for them. Well, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean... Sometimes that happens, but it'll that, come back. Yeah, it comes it, it, it comes. it comes. back through, doesn't it? It flows. It through. does. It's, but yeah. it's not going to be there all the time. See, mm-hmm. that's this idea something's going to be permanent. I think is misleading to us, and it sells a short in that we have as human beings are incredibly creative. And can come up with responses to situations that can be incredibly baffling and challenging. Think about Apollo 13. You know, Mm -hmm. here they have this accident. They don't have the ability to scrub the carbon dioxide out of the capsule that's floating in space. The engineers get together and they look at all of the stuff that was in this little spacecraft, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's flying back. And they came up with a scrubber. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, unbelievable creativity. Now, would everybody have liked everything to stay the same? Of course. But the issue becomes one is when we are confronted with a challenge, how do we respond? How are we able to take that situation and learn from it? Number one, I like what Tom says all the time. Every experience we have has a lesson in it. Mm-hmm. And the more upsetting it is, and the more disturbing it is, the bigger the lesson. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and so that's the first thing. What what, what am I learning from this experience I had? If I got fired, what was my part in that? Mm-hmm. What did I do to create that kind of a situation? Instead of saying, look at what knuckleheads they were. How could they fire me? Mm-hmm. I could step back and say, what did I do to not make myself indispensable? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean... Right. What could I have done different? You know, Stephen Covey calls it increasing our sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. Right. How could I have increased my sphere? Well, of then
2: the other piece I'll throw in there, too, is the idea that that one of the places and that could be about being fired or it could just be about a, a conflict that you have with a boss or or what have you is that something that well you're because what you're talking about is when something happens that you don't want to happen when you don't like it's like this is the place where we it really is about paying attention to where we are in terms of how how much energy we're putting into the present moment versus yeah. the past it's like you you know that you know the the thing you know you refer to a lot is my little nutshell that says you know learn from the past and get the hell out of there yeah, it's like that. because the danger the danger with this is that when we are offended by something we drop anchor and so what we do is we keep going back through it and if you if you're if you're if you got a sailboat and you're going across someplace and you drop the anchor and now if if the anchor if if you're in shallow enough water the anchor is going to stop you and your boat's just going to circle around and around even but even if it's deep enough water it's going to slow you way down it's, right. it's like you need, you know, we, we, the thing is you got to get that anchor up out of the water so that you keep going. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about, I need to think about problem solving with, from, by, by using what I have in the present to, in what I, I call it, future orienting. What, what is the, I teach, I teach couples this all the time too, is like, don't just, don't just focus on how well you can expl- describe your complaint. <laughs> Talk about what you would like, how you see a solution, what you would like instead. And let's and let's, you know, and it's OK to go back and refer to the to the to the complaint. But that because that's a point of reference, that's a that's a starting point. But it's like it, we always need to punctuate with future orienting in terms of problem solving. And what you're yeah, well that's that's what you're saying is you got to get you have to get creative.
1: Well, uh, I, it's a double edged sword. What I love most about emotional sobriety, but also what functions as a kind of dare is the ball is completely in our court, <laughs> which yeah. it's, sometimes oh, it sometimes doesn't yeah. feel good. You don't want the ball to be in your court. You want to be able to blame you know the other person for oh, uh, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I got good uh, news
0: and bad news, and it's it's yeah. the same.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like, fascinating. It's, it's, you're, yeah.
0: you're in oh, charge. <laughs> yeah, and look, look, there's another part of it, and I love that you said that because there's always the other side of these things, right? You know, there's always two poles to everything. Mm-hmm. So the second part of this is that sometimes what happens has nothing to do with your performance in a job. things just change, like the COVID stuff. There was a lot of great flight attendants that lost their jobs, that weren't working, not because of anything they did in terms of their performance, because situations change. The economy changes. A a company makes decisions, right? Right. Um, Snapchat is going through that big time is what I've read in the news. Mm -hmm. You know, they've had to totally retool because of what's happened in terms of losing advertising and stuff like that. But they'll come back because they're being flexible and they're trying to figure it out. So that's the second part that comes from this is not taking things personally. Mm. Yes. You know, when these things happen, sometimes they just happen. I remember this rabbi wrote this great book. When when terror when bad things happen to good people. Yeah, you remember that one time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that book. Mm. To, and they do see mm-hmm. there's a lot of these things mm-hmm. are we could call them random. They Mm -hmm. just happen. You're not responsible for the economy. You're not responsible. Mm -hmm. That's one of the issues I have with some of these self-help things. You're responsible for everything in your life. And if you lose that job, then you've created that in the universe. No, you haven't. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. It drives me nuts because that's not true. It's not that that you've created that. It's that it's happened. And now our job is, is to deal with it. It is what it is. How do I best respond? So you go back to the first thing. If I'm fixed, if things have to be a certain way for me to be okay, man, it's going to be difficult. How do I deal with what is going on, not with what's supposed to be or should be or what I'd like to go on? And it's not easy to do at times, man. I'll tell you, it becomes challenging and stressful. And that's where, you know, having... Friendships yeah. like we have, having a community. Mm-hmm. Where turn to each other and say, I'm stuck with this, man. What do you think? How can yeah. I best respond to it? Not what's mm-hmm. wrong with the other person, but how can I best respond to this situation? Yeah.
2: Right. And get right. And that, and that brings us to, because based on what you were saying at the outset, uh, Patrick, I want to talk about not, not just situations that are that are make it or break it with your actual job, but, but just relationships inside the job. I mean, it's like working, cause I'm working with somebody right now that's dealing with, with a lot of that and, and where, you know, where there's just a lot of conflict inside, inside their, their workplace they're actually, as far as I know, they're, 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 the everything's functioning the way it's supposed to function. It's like, it really becomes more a matter of what I ended up talking with her about is, is her, her idea of, you know, I mean, and her ultimately will be a decision about whether she wants to stay there or go, but, but it's, it's basically, it's not about, you know, whether I'm going to be able to go back to this job or not. I can, I am going back to this job, but I, but how do I deal with this person that treats me in a certain way or that I just don't like, those kinds of things. And, and those, are, that's where you go to those same principles you're talking about, Alan, which is, you, you know, the, the, you know, keep in mind that when we say don't take, take, take something personally, we don't mean here, stop, stop taking it personally. We mean you have to learn how to do that. There's, there's right. not, you know, that goes back to the Eric Clapton teaching me to play the guitar. If I don't practice it, I got to figure out how to do these things, yeah. uh, you know, how, you not know, and, and, and part of it is letting go, of the, you know, part of what we have to do is let go of the need. that Everybody in the world has to like us.
0: That's right. That's Turns
2: out I, I, It was a great relief for me when I remember talking to a friend of mine years ago and, and, and it was like, it's, it, and it was in a work situation. And I was talking to and I was complaining about the, the woman that, that we both knew. And I said, I said, I, I, I still think she likes me. And I was really disturbed by this idea that she didn't like me. And I don't think she really I don't, I'm pretty sure I was right. But he, 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 he changed things for me in this one moment. Cause he said, do you like her? And I went, No. <laughs> and and it, the light bulb came on, you know? That's like, right. it's, it's,
0: That's I right. was doing this
2: thing where I need everybody to like me. I don't like everybody.
0: <laughs> so true. That's such a good point. Yeah. That's such a good
2: point. And it turns out we would she and I were fine as long as we, we didn't need to like each other.
0: Yeah. That's you know, right. We could even work together. We didn't have to love each other. Yeah. So I guess the message we want to send to people, you know, with this podcast mm-hmm. Rick, is that you don't need things to be permanent, to be okay. What you need yeah. to do is have the flexibility to roll with the punches and try to make the best out of whatever situation you're being confronted with. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a quick anecdote from mm-hmm. my trip back to, uh, Back to Los Angeles. That was of just a you know a short vacation. Mm-hmm. I went back to see my grandchildren, spend some time with my daughter, and and uh, visit some other folks. Mm-hmm. And so we rented a car from Hertz. Um, make a long story short, we left on Tuesday morning to drive up to Westlake to see um, to see um, my daughter Maddie had a good friend up there. She wanted to visit. They have been online for over a year and a half and she wanted to see her. So we decided that we would go spend a whole day up there as well as to go see our old nanny. Uh, mm-hmm. Jess wanted to see her therapist in person. Mm-hmm. I wanted to meet with my therapist in person. Mm-hmm. Hadn't done that for a long time. Mm-hmm. So we were heading up there and wouldn't you know it on the way up there, we get a flat tire mm-hmm. and a right rear and it's a bad flat. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, look, you know, my lucky star is shining. I pull over on the freeway on the sub, you know, in that lane in the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. When you know it, there's an emergency vehicle just about, you know, a couple car lengths down and he pulls mm-hmm. behind me. Mm-hmm. So he's going to help me change that flat tire. Right. So we take out five pieces of luggage, stack them up nicely on the side, open up the back the to see where the spare tire is. And lo and behold, there's a little black box. They don't put spares in there anymore. They got this little thing that you hook into your tire that's supposed to fill it with this stuff that plugs the leak. So Uh, that you can, well, this flat is not going to be able to be fixed with no way. (laughs) It's not going to happen. So he says, look, man, your best bet is don't deal with this here. Let's get you off the freeway. It's not safe here. I'm going to try to put a little air in this thing just to get you off. And then you, mm-hmm. there's a gas station right at the first exit. Go ahead and pull off. So I pull off. I think, oh, great. I'm going to call Hertz. They're going to bring another car out. We'll be back on the road within half an hour, hour or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That was my expectation. Yeah, there you go. You guys know what's <laughs> going to happen. Don't you? I call Hertz. I say, well, I got a flat tire and there's no spare. And da-da-da-da. I say, so can you send out another car so we can just move this stuff over so I can continue on my trip? says, sorry, sir, it doesn't work that way. I go, well, can you tell me what you can do? He says, well, we're going to send out a tow truck, and you have to drive with the tow truck back to the airport and get a new car. Mm. I go, I've got four people in the vehicle with five pieces of luggage. I don't think we're going to fit in a tow truck, <laughs> I mean, first of all. And I says you mean I, I can't get – she goes, no, it's not going to happen. I go – well, then what are you going to do? Well, we'll send the tow truck out. And I guess we'll have to get you a lift. And the lift will take you to the airport. So I say, so I have to go to an airport to get another vehicle. Because I just looked on my phone. And there's a Hertz like two miles down the road. We can't help you with those Hertz. You have to be in an airport location. Mm-hmm. Another rule, right? That I think is a little ridiculous. But doesn't matter what I think. Because it's their rule. Mm-hmm. So Maddie you know, is is set to meet her friend at noontime. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here with the dilemma what to do. So what we decide, I suggest to Jess, get an Uber and you and Maddie go ahead and head out. Maddie can then see your friend at 12. You can get to your therapist at one. I'll deal with all this stuff with Cece and we'll get there as soon as we can. So that was the first thing that we had to That's do, good. right? Is to deal with that. So we're going to take care of problem number one. So the tow truck comes, we load all of our stuff in a lift and we go to Los Angeles LAX to the Hertz place and we go Mm -hmm. to pull in the gate for me to go get my new car. And the guy says, I'm sorry, you can't pull in here with that car. I says, what do you mean? He says, you're going to have to pull out here and you're going to have to carry your luggage in. I go, I've got a Mm four-year-old. I've got five pieces of luggage plus a car seat. How do you think I can do that?
1: He well, goes, she's she's probably good for two pieces of luggage.
0: Maybe <laughs> for I'm not so sure. He goes. <laughs> C- he goes, C- sir. Yeah. He goes, sir. That's not my problem. Oh, I want
2: you. I, I want. You, I just want to pause for a moment and just say I am having trouble with my emotional sobriety even listening to this story. <laughs> okay, it's like I am on. I am on the verge
0: of emotional drunkenness. Okay. It's, it's like- So, so I I pulled it, I have the driver pull his car inside the gate, I didn't have him go outside, I had him pull inside. And I get out of the car and I go up to the guy. I said, you're telling me that this is not your problem, but it is my problem. And I want to speak to your manager. Mm -hmm. Because what you're asking me to do is impossible. Mm-hmm. I'm a 70-year-old guy with a four-year-old child, and I got five pieces of luggage in a car seat. And I'm here because Hertz decided not to put a spare tire in the trunk and put that little contraption in. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to be sitting out there drug- dragging luggage back and forth because of this rule. Get your manager. Mm-hmm. And he stands there, and I says, I want you to get your manager. He says, all right, go ahead. So then we go ahead and pull up. And they're supposed to have a car waiting, right? That's what they told me on the phone. I'll have mm-hmm. it all set up. We just pull in. Mm-hmm. My name will be on the board. You load your stuff up and go, well, no, that's not what happened. I have to go in. I have to fill out an incident report for a flat tire. So, you know, I, I don't like doing any of this stuff, but it is what it is. And I got to deal with it. We get up there and it's, you know, five and a half hours later. It took me to get to Westlake, which was going to be an hour and 15 minute drive to begin with. But it was what it was. And I dealt Mm -hmm. with it in the best way I could. I asserted myself appropriately. Mm -hmm. I didn't call the guy names. I didn't have to go back Mm -hmm. and make any amends because I thought the guy was way out of line. I was just not going to let, you know, his inappropriate comment, you know, knock me off balance. I knew that it was wrong what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And that anybody that would thought about it reasonably would let me pass with the lift car, mm-hmm. you know, into the place and stuff like that. So I dealt with it. Did I like it? No. Mm-hmm. You know, was it stressful? You damn right it mm-hmm. was at times. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm taking care of Cece and she's dragging and she was a good little soul through this whole thing, man. She tried to be helpful at times. I mean, she was amazing with me, you know, through this whole ordeal. Well, because first of
2: all, what I want to say to you as a, as a dad is is this is this is the model that she's seeing. For how to solve problems and stuff too, so uh, yeah, I'm very aware of that. That part, that part is is uh, actually helping my emotional sobriety as I listen to the story because because mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going like like uh, you know I'm kind of uh, glad Cece was there because I if if I were in your place Cece would help me kind of keep my cool. It's like because I because I'm not I'm not gonna do this I'm not gonna show this little girl you know what a fucking idiot I can be. It's like I've
0: right, <laughs> no, seen that enough. Trust me. And this, i <laughs> that. She's seen that in other cases. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at you, the bottom line. And then, of course, it's LAX, right? So, I mean, I, the mm-hmm. amount of people flying in LAX is ridiculous. I'm, you know, one of the things that this trip helped me do, I'm glad I'm living in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, it really helped change my perspective on a lot of stuff with that. But then I'm going to exit that place. We finally get in a car and stuff. Mm. There's 20 cars in the exit thing to get out of there. <laughs> All right, the guys got to check the thing, go around. I mean, so it was what it was. And I just kept saying the serenity prayer.
1: Right. Yeah. right. I was going to ask if there was a mantra or if there was some there conversation was going on in your head. That,
0: yeah. I kept saying the serenity prayer. I probably said it 20 times mm-hmm. during that mm-hmm. whole ordeal, man. I just cried to stay grounded. This is what it is. All the stuff we do continues to help me remind me that I can Mm -hmm. get through this stuff. If I stay centered, it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be the way I want it to be. Mm -hmm. Now, was I exhausted? Of course I was, was Mm -hmm. I, and you know, I was thankful that I had a therapy session that Mm -hmm. afternoon. I got Mm -hmm. to see my therapist had a powerful therapy session. It was very, very helpful, man, you know, the whole thing. But my point is, we can, if we can try to find a way to stay flexible, it doesn't mean it's not going to be stressful. Doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. Doesn't mean it's not going to be challenging. Emotional sobriety doesn't mean easy. Mm -hmm. You know, please don't hear that any of this stuff Mm -hmm. is easy. It's not. But there is a path through this where at the end of that day, I could look back and feel good about Alan. When you're clear about how you're measuring and it's about your integrity that's a good day Just like day. i didn't have to make amends to anybody mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't curse anybody out i didn't get mad at anybody when it, they couldn't have done anything about it anyway I just dealt with it the way it was, whether I'm thinking about it
2: consciously or not. It also helps me that I'm connected to this support system because okay. that, that comes, that comes with not only support, but it also comes with accountability. It's like, you know, cause I know I could come back. You, you could sit here and tell the story and you could tell, told it about how you totally screwed everything up and you get no, you get no shame from us. You know, that it's like, we oh, would do that. and we yeah, would, right. it would just be, it would just mean it was taking you longer to get the lessons out and we would help you do that, you know, but, but the idea, it's so much nicer. It's just, it's a nice thing to look forward to. I can tell this story in a way in which I'm, you know, I tell, I actually told a a bride the other day who was, who was so stressed out about their wedding plans. I said, look, all that's going to happen on that day is you're going to make some stories. And I I said, the only choice you have is about how you're going to tell about yourself in the story. And it's like, and, and I suggest you be the laid back person who just deals with whatever happens. You know, and I think she went through it and I think she I think that helped her. But it's like you you focused on you. The short version of the serenity prayer
0: is you can only change you. That's what it was, man. And that's what and look. And the good news is about this story. It's all true. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah. That's the best news about all of this Mm -hmm. stuff is is 50 years ago. I would have made that story up and none of it would have (laughs) been (laughs) true. And right, and and then, and, and then- <laughs> <laughs> I put the car
2: on my back and I carry it. it up and I <laughs> so I rebuilt the engine myself. And- <laughs> well, I, uh,
0: I, I ripped the tire off with my bare hands, and uh, held it up while the guy changed. It.
1: <laughs> I would have liked to see that. Um, well, in the in the long view, I'm grateful to you guys for kind of. Equating the loss of a job as just another violent, even if it's a particularly violent form of change, it is a form of change um, in a life. And almost any change can be survived and uh, learned from. And I think that that's the core lesson uh, in replace uh, issues. I would say, too, Patrick, is every job I've lost,
0: you know, where I thought, my God, you know, what does this mean and stuff like that. I look back. Now, five years, 10 years later. And I thank God that I was no longer in that job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I was CEO of a treatment center in Nashville where I met mm-hmm. Tom. Yeah, yeah. Like that. And certain things happened and it didn't turn out that that worked. And I wondered, my God, I thought this was my job. But I'm not a corporate guy, man. I never mm-hmm. have been. I'm not right. a guy that works well in that environment. Mm-hmm. I'm a guy that would work, does much better in his private practice and, mm-hmm. and being solo like I am.
2: No, I thought I thought the same thing in the sense that that of all the things that things like that that happen, there will be a time there is a time in the future. This is a little bit over leaning pretty far into the future orientation. But there's, a, you know, there's where I'll tell the story and I'll go like, like if that it wasn't even necessarily that, that, that I needed not to be there. But it's like I look at my life and, and I say, well, if that hadn't happened. Yes. then I wouldn't do so and, so. and so, I mean, cause I could do that with, with like, if I hadn't done this, if I hadn't gotten lost this, I would have never have done this. I would have never met my wife. I would, you know, it's, it's like, you don't, this is where we just remind ourselves we cannot predict the cannot future. Predict- and our job is to always work with what's present and go
0: with it. It's just part of the story. That's right. It's part of the story. And that's so true, Tom. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Change any one of those things. And that where, cause I would not have my life any different than it is today. Yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast with you guys. I no, started- as, as a
2: matter of fact, I was we were talking about my book, my What Love Is book and I was reading the introduction to it and one of the things I start with is hum- hopefully humility which is I say you talk about my first marriage and that, that basically, you know, that I didn't I did, didn't do that right and, and the mistakes I made and the people that I hurt and you know and I and I, and I own that on the front end. And but I also put in there that that I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go back in time and change that. Not because, not because it was to to make an excuse for how I was, but because I wouldn't have what I have now. And it's like, and that's, that's just simply acceptance of uh, the gifts that are coming our way that we don't know how they're coming to us.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So good luck to Maddie, by the way, for, you know, and she'll do great. She's such a, she's such a talented person.
0: I'll tell you. you, we flew back from LA yesterday. It was a five hour flight back. And both of them were outstanding. Maddie was so helpful. She's nine now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, here I am with five pieces of luggage, Mm -hmm. two kids. And Maddie was Superman. She pushed a cart with uh, two pieces of luggage on it, man. She just stepped up. We had a great, great flight back. And, uh, and, you know, even a flight attendant says, man, your girls were just amazing. I mean, and they were, they really were super, very, very cooperative.
1: Well, we're grateful to have you back.
0: So we got some exciting things coming up in some future podcasts. I understand Mm -hmm. you talked to Joe Mm -hmm. and we're going to be doing a show, a live show uh, at the big secular recovery uh, convention that they have up in
1: Toronto, is it? Uh, Yes. And it's going to be October 29th. Uh, We're going to be doing a a live, uh, kind of a live podcast. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be
0: people are going to be attending up at the secular conference, so we're excited about that. We got some guests coming up too, which we're mm-hmm. excited about too. So stay tuned for more emotional
3: sobriety, mm-hmm. the next step in recovery. Tend your life, tend your myth, cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then we glass and hand and children on one knee, bring some stories. Bring your stories back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Till it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me